mate. How are you? All right. Look at you all rugged up and captain. Mate, so, behind and everything. Just just trying to make a nice little little view. Better than the the gym room slash office slash spare bedroom. <laughs> I think there's like washing in there at the moment. There's screens. There's all sorts of stuff. So I thought a nice um, nice area to sit and have a chat and blue skies and sunshine. So been out and about. Yeah, Got a bit of that here, so that'll be that'll be after this chat. I'm I'm off into the national park for another walk. Beautiful, mate. It's uh yeah we Kate, we knocked out a half marathon yesterday, so the legs are a bit tender. So it might oh, be dear. enough. Why? Um, yeah, don't know. Uh, a girlfriend that Case and I used to live with, she wanted to do her first ever half marathon. Right. She dragged Case into it. And then I put my hand up and said, can I come too? And they weren't super keen on having me there because I'm a bit too, I don't know, it's a bit too too full on for them. But we got there in the end, so. Good Lord. I don't know about the half marathon. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I could do it, but I don't know why I'd want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, good point. I'm, I'm now toying with the idea of doing the full marathon just while potentially the body and the legs are fit enough to do it. And while I'm of still a young enough age to maybe put myself through that, but Crazy. Uh, we'll wait and see. I've got a mate who's doing a, a, he was doing a half marathon program at the moment, but he's decided he's not going to run a half. He's just going to go straight into the full. And I'm like, okay. Never rocks your boat. That's why, that's when I say why and how. And Never how rocks your boat. Mate, I've, I've got another friend who I'll be talking to on this podcast soon. Who's done. I, I, I can't remember the name of it. It's going to bug me now, but it's it's a, like a hundred k cross country up and down hills run in the oh, hinterland. Yeah, is that a oh, what's the name of that? Like the black, the black something, black all black something, one hundred yeah, crazy. Oh. And I was like, you, you're going to do what? Like, <laughs> is 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 something chasing you? Is there a reason? But it's like, why do men climb mountains, right? Because they're there. Yeah, challenge accepted. I mean, look, here's the thing, right? People say to me, why do you keep going back to jujitsu when you get injured and you're old and you're slow and you're not going to compete anywhere? <laughs> it's hard to explain because I can. Yeah. Well, I had a great little flow. Flows in the screen. Flows just flows ass and tail. Yeah. Thanks, flow. Yeah, um, uh, it's funny when, when people do crazy things. I don't know if you, did you ever met Greg, my business partner? No, I don't think I did. Well, he 310 days ago during the last lockdown in Melbourne was kind of coming to an end and Greg and all oh, cats up there now. Sorry. That's all right. No, this is, this is perfect internet TV. This is great. Yeah, it's great. She's, she's going to be doing crazy shit to the back of the computer. She loves it. I'm just worried the, the makeshift shelf that I've built is not going to last. I don't know. Oh, it's all right. If it goes horribly wrong, it'll be, it'll be uh, wonderful. It'll, it'll be some form of art. Yeah, last lockdown, um, I'd put on a couple of kilos. Greg had put on a few kilos. We were, you know, living the miserable Melbourne lockdown kind of vibe. And um, uh-huh. he, I reached out to him and said, mate, I actually was at a cafe. The guy at the cafe, I was hungover. I was just felt like crap, just getting a uh, takeaway coffee. And he got to go. And um, the, the guy actually said, he goes, he goes, mate, the best thing you can do is go for a run. Like, just, mm-hmm. just go sweat it out. You got to snap yeah. out of my crap and just sweat it out. I said, you know what? Fine. Like, just got my head in the zone. I'm going to go for a run. And I ran. 
couple of Ks, sweated out. And I came back and sat on the balcony in the sun and I just went, I've got to, I've got to have some accountability to be able to like keep this going. So I messaged Greg, mm-hmm. I said, mate, we've both been shit. Like we've got to go. And he, he went, all right, what's the, what are we going to do? Greg's driven by competitions, like competitive beast, set a target and a goal and who can win. So it was 20 right. days, 20 days, minimum 20 minutes of exercise per day. Yep. And every day we had to take a photo of our weight on the scales or a photo from the app and post a photo of our exercise for 20 days straight. Sure. So basically forming that new routine and new habit, but by keeping each other accountable, we mm-hmm. wrote to his brother-in-law and Greg at that stage had had a back injury and he mm-hmm. wasn't like able to run very well. And, you know, the first 20 minutes was a struggle. By the end of the 20 days, he was smashing out 10 kilometer runs. He dropped four or five kilos over that 20 day period. Wow. Um, won the competition hands down. And I think it was of like course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 150 bucks we'd put on the line. And it was like, you know, buy the I, other person. I win, I win. Me. Yeah, Look buy at- the other person some active wear. Anyway, 310 days later, he hasn't stopped running every single day for 310 days or whatever he's up to now. He's dropped 13, 14, 15 kilos. Mm. Um, and he's probably the happiest, healthiest I've ever seen him at the moment. So it's all about habit. Bloody oath, man. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's been, been all right. It's such a, I think there's a bit of that going on. We, I mean, I've on this old little device connected with a bunch of people. So in Sydney and Melbourne and Brizzy, and we did the same thing for a little while, just a sort of a little accountability group, get moving. Yeah. And then I keep telling everyone I'm blessed here. So, you know, like the lockdown, so you go for seven days and that's about it. Yeah. So, so there's no, this can't really complain, but the gyms, around here have like been smashed. So can't go into a gym, can't do this. Like I can't go to jujitsu for two weeks because you're allowed to go to jujitsu, but you're not allowed to have any physical contact, you know, like go figure. Um, Sounds hard. I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Look, I don't really want to get into the politics of it because you've got to be seen to be doing something, but a a lot of it doesn't make any sense. (laughs) So yeah, we got the accountability group going on just to keep people moving. Yeah. Super important. Yeah, and oh, I've just been talking to people about just move every day. I don't care what you do, just move. Yeah, big time, big time. I think, you know, especially when people have their usual habits of going to the gym. So that, that's the thing. You, you get up, gear on, go to the gym. So that's the you, habit. You get into a lockdown and it takes away that getting to the gym. So all of mm-hmm. a sudden it, it creates a break in the, the routine or the habit. So it's like, oh, I'm not going to do anything because the gym's shut rather than... exactly. I'll go for a walk instead and replacing that with putting on runners and hitting the pavement but exactly it's a big mental challenge though i'm seeing it you know with people that we talk to every day in what we do same thing i think especially lockdown six in melbourne i can't imagine how new south wales people are feeling at the moment but there's it feels flat people are flat at the moment like and especially when they start talking about you know one in four days between now and christmas is expected to be in lockdown so even if we come out for a week or two right priming us to say that expect to go back in and out of these snap lockdowns to, to fight the little huh. and And how do you kind of, I, don't know, I feel like humans are wired by that thing to look forward to in the future. Like, yeah, to a certain extent for sure. Yeah. In the future, when I lose five kilos, I'll feel like this or at Christmas, we're going to do this or my next holiday is going to be here. It's and when you, 
Yeah, yeah. So you're working towards that holiday. So you can do the extra hours at work or you can do the extra half an hour at the gym to make yourself feel and look better because you want to be able to have your top off on holiday and go tanning or whatever the motivation is. Mm -hmm. I feel like the 18 months that has been COVID has taken away that thing to look forward to. And the people that have... Then, then you start to notice the people with the really good mindsets that don't need to look forward to something in the future to find happiness, the mm-hmm. ones that can find happiness day to day, they're going okay. But the ones that always needed to have that something in the future to look forward to, and I felt like one of them at the start, I've had to rewire how I've thought and you have your mm-hmm. good days and your bad days. Mm-hmm. But I was always a six-month sprint. I could do six months of training and working and doing stupid hours knowing that... Yeah. The end of that six months, I'd go to Bali for two weeks and I'd sit in by the pool and you know drink a bintang and hit the gym over there and feel good for two weeks. And then I'd recharge and come back for another six months and it'd be like blocks like that. As soon as that was gone, it was, well, our case and I wedding, the wedding back in March, 2020, that was canned. So we didn't, we lost our wedding to look forward to. We lost the honeymoon to look forward to. Yep. And all of a sudden it was, how do you reset that mindset to go, well, for two years, we'd worked hard to do a two-month honeymoon in Europe. Mm-hmm. I remember all gone, of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. once that was gone, our mindset was stuffed. Like it was like, now what? Now? What, yeah. what now? And How do I process this? This is new. I don't have the tools to yep. automatically just next. Yeah, big time. It was a big, big, big lessons learned. And it wasn't something we did by ourselves. Like we had to speak to people. We had, we had to get lessons from psychologists and counselors and friends mm. that we reached out to. And, you know, that was a big lesson learned between, and I think the, the strength in the people we are now compared to March, 2020, mm-hmm. like the resilience that you've had to build and the things that you've gone through and, you know, right up to, we lost Nana last year in August. Mm. We lost mum a few months ago. Yeah. And losing Nana and mum have been two things that I didn't think I'd be going through at the moment. Like, you know, and you just think, well, that's not going to happen. That'll happen to me later in life and I'll deal with it then. Mm-hmm. I was nowhere near ready to deal with that. Yeah, And, you know, that, that's that been, you know, as I said this morning, I ducked off to see dad because he was, you know, doing it a little bit tough. And, yeah, it's it's been rough. That's been There's bad. a bit of it going around. Yeah. You know, and yeah. hence these conversations, right? Just uh, if nothing else, scratch our own itch by having a chat with people that oh. we haven't connected with for a while. And if anyone decides to dedicate a little while to listen, hmm. you know, may- maybe there is something in it that people connect to. And I feel like it's uh, a-, a lot of the time, you know, with men's groups, women's groups, uh, accountability groups, a lot of what works is just realizing other people are going through the same shit too. Yep. Or, or similar stuff. And you go, and you, ah, I'm not mad. It's not just only me. There's, there's stuff going on. And like you, you said something before about this kind of, uh, I don't know what the word was using, but like everyone's sort of starting to get stuck hmm. with, you know, I mean, lockdown seven, I can't even imagine lockdown seven. I think what yeah. we've had, we've had three, maybe yeah. four, I don't know. I lost count at one. I was like, okay, we've done yeah. one. My, my brain just switched off. I had to homeschool. I'm like, okay, let's just <laughs> can't, I don't, I, I'm not a teacher. There's a, there's a reason I coach and don't teach. Mm. <laughs> it's distinctly different. I can give someone a concept, go away with it and come back. I don't have to. Yeah. 
the risk. I mean, I'm, I, I, I think teachers are amazing. Anyway, I'm off on a tangent. But even <laughs> here, everyone who's listening to this podcast realizes I think it's all about tangents. But anyway, what I've noticed here, and, and people will be like, Nusa, you've got it's it's amazing. What do you complain about? I'm not complaining. I'm just stating fact that I'm in an idyllic environment. We're not getting locked down because there's not thousands of people stuck everywhere. There's space, there's the beach, there's all this wonderful stuff. And yet, like we have other impacts here. For example, people from Melbourne and Sydney who've got far more money than the locals are coming up. Property prices are berserk. Mm. Um, my property that I bought, we, we bought this five years ago. It's probably, it's close to tripled in price. Wow. Close to, it hasn't, but it, I mean, really insane. Might be far off though. Like no, it, it wouldn't be. There's, there's another two, two expected two years of 10 to 20% property price growth as far as all the economists are saying. So give it another six months and who knows, another two years, it might be quadrupled what you paid for it when you bought, which is-, which is which is lovely in one way, but it's also like, what are you going to do with it? For most people that are up here, there's this misunderstanding that oh, fruit flies again, I don't know, Queensland joys. The, you know, Noose is this really interesting little pocket where it's low income and high expense of living. Mm. But, but, the, but the perception around the country and around the world is that it's, you know, it's um, silver hairs and Mercedes Benz and, and uh, a whole yeah. lot of money, but that's the people who visit, not yeah. the people, not the people who keep the economy running. So, you know, that, that, that kind of ramification happens in some parts, even if there's not lockdown. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's, it, it affects people in different ways. It's and then the question becomes like, how do you, how do you keep going? What do you do? Like, what are the tools? What can I use? Who do I talk to? Do I talk to anyone? So it's an interesting one, right? And, and the more conversations I have like this, the more I realize it doesn't matter where people are. It's, there's stuff going on, except when you talk to someone who's in New Zealand and they worked it out really early on and just went, nah, no one's coming in. Yeah, well, I mean, the, there's still the other side of that token where it's like if you're in Queenstown and stuff where they rely on millions and millions of dollars of tourism money to come through mm-hmm. to keep everyone you know, alive and things moving and businesses operating. I think business has been, you know, from on the front that I'm on and, and who I deal with and the people I see day to day, whether it's, you know, Victoria, New South Wales, Perth, Queensland, we've got businesses all over the country. And, you know, there's, there's, I'm seeing two very different ends where there's businesses that are booming. They've got government stimulus. They got JobKeeper because they naturally qualified because of what happened back in March, April, May, 2020. They're cashed up and firing and they've mm-hmm. pivoted and made their business better. And there's others that just no matter what they do, they can't, even with like a bank account full of cash, they can't do anything from the stimulus money to then continue to survive. They've mm-hmm. paid rent, paid insurances, paid bills, paid staff, and then sitting there going, my doors are closed. My restaurant's closed. My cafe doesn't have enough um, flow of traffic. My gym's yeah. closed. Like gym's what, 255 days closed in the last 500 days. If you're a gym owner in, I think, Melbourne, I don't know about everywhere else, but there's, that's that's a ridiculous statistic where I'd expect businesses to survive like that. And then the flow onto New Zealand and then even here with the, you know, you get the bubble, no bubble. bubble opening, the bubble opening, and we're going to get tourism travel. And I think on our podcast, we talked about the like cross billion dollars of cross 
um, money flowing between the two countries and, mm-hmm. you know, Aussies going over there to snowboard and travel and then Kiwis coming over here to see family and, you know, do the thing here, go to Queensland and do the theme parks and everything else. And you turn that off and they're talking about for another five years, making anyone who travels to New Zealand um, from a high risk country still has to do two weeks hotel quarantine, no matter, mm-hmm. no matter what level of vaccination everyone's at. Yeah. So it's like if you're planning your holiday, you're going to cross New Zealand off your list in the future when things start to open up. Whereas you look sure. at Europe, US, um, UK, man, things are moving over there again. People are going here, there and everywhere. And they're okay with thousands of COVID cases a day and, and hundreds of deaths here and there. I think the narrative in Australia, like the government for so long have gone with COVID zero and eradication. Mm-hmm. And now they're trying to change their tone to be, but still like you've got everywhere else in Australia at the moment is going for COVID zero. New South Wales all of a sudden have changed to be, oh, we'll get to 70% vaccinated and you can start to get some of your freedom back again. But that doesn't work for the rest of the country then like mm-hmm. to, to let COVID run rampant. So something's got to break, something's got to give. Um, I don't know if you caught the press conference before, but you know, they've, they've arranged a million doses of Pfizer from Poland. Poland's like, hey, guys, we'll do you a solid. Have a million, have a million of our doses. And ScoMo's like, yeah, like more than half of them, they're just going straight to the people of New South Wales. Good job. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, like, yeah, okay, I see what's going on here. Like, let's let's focus on these these problem areas. But I don't know, it's... It's it, flat. Flat is the word around the whole COVID and lockdown thing. And I don't think, I don't know, doesn't, I don't think it matters where you are. No. Um, like flat, flat. That's it, the word. It's, it is very interesting. And I've talked to some people who've pivoted and landed on their feet and started running. And I've done 18 months of pivots. I mean, we've been talking about, you know, my business inside and out. We've had what, a relationship for how long now? Six, seven, eight years. I don't know. Yep. Yep. And, yep. and, I just pivot. I'm still working out what I'm doing. And I'll tell you about it. Maybe when we have a a chat, when you've got some time and we're not on the podcast, I'll tell you where I'm at next. (laughs) But you have to like, this has been a big kick in the pants for me because I opened up my uh, hypnotherapy clinic that came out of business coaching and coaching became psychological hypnosis, wellness, rah, 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 rah. First lockdown hits, it's three months. Oh, that's a bit difficult. Yep. I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Worked out something else to do for a little while because I thought, well, how's this? How long is this going to last? Opened it up again. Made a move after doing something. Lockdown. All my clients disappeared. Just because of just because of the mentality of lockdown. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to mental health and wellness in and around that, as soon as people stop, we were just talking about the gym, right? As soon as there's a stop, starting it up again is really hard. And I don't fault anyone for that. It's, it's difficult to go and see someone in a clinical context, go yeah. and ask for help. And then something gets in the way and then there are too many other hurdles that get in the way. And so I'm not the only one. I know a lot of people who run a therapeutic or an allied health practice and people just disappeared. Mm. Momentum, they- momentum is so important, right? Oh, it is. I've got a local osteo that I see and she's, she's, an absolute superstar of course I, I was in a routine of going see her every one or two weeks regularly booked in 
um, just ongoing maintenance from sitting at a desk all day and doing all the other crazy stuff that I try and do. And then as soon as one of the first lockdowns happened, because that the regular booking stopped, I couldn't go and see her at a certain time. I dropped off a cliff for a while and it wasn't deliberate that I didn't go back and see her when I could. I didn't know when I could, as you said, the momentum died down. And if I'm, you know, one of many patients that stopped coming back, your income just, just absolutely dives. It does. And that, that's across the board, whether it's allied health gyms, you know, the, the habit of going to get a coffee on your morning walk from the same cafe, if they've closed or changed operating hours, like the flow on effect is, is huge. Mm. And, and it's the, it's the great unknown where I think as soon as people, I talk about this a lot in terms of fear and fear responses that, that the ultimate human fear is the fear of the unknown. doesn't matter what you fear. It's some fear of the unknown dark room. I'm fearing that there might be something in the dark room, mm. fear of social uh, interaction. I'm fearing that I might make a complete tit of myself, you know, and I don't know how I'll do that. And I don't know what the ramifications are. So it is an unknown. And that's what it is now, I feel like. And I'm not trying to put a, a negative spin on any of this because I can see a lot of positive. Mm. And, and what it is now is how do we work that out? How do we thrive when we're in the shit? What can we work out? And yet this fear of the unknown that's always present in the back of the human mind stops people dead. And yep. when they become inert, it's so much harder to start again. Big time. Big time. Fear, so I'm, I'm fear actually- is definitely... Definitely interesting concept to get your head around and to completely understand like where that fear is driven from and where that fear comes about. And, you know, the life at the moment, the fear is so prevalent in everyone's day-to-day life. The way the media is driven now, the first thing is going to be this many people died today. If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. You know, and this not discounting COVID deaths, right. And, and COVID's the big thing. It's global pandemic, whatever, but you know, we didn't report every day on the news how many people committed suicide today. No, and we never will. They won't do it. And we didn't report how many people died of heart disease due to being obese today. Mm-hmm. But I guarantee both of those numbers are bigger They're than higher. The, the three or four people that died yesterday from COVID in Australia. I and can tell you for like, sure that they are. Yeah. And it's not that's just... A, that's a, there's a pandemic. There's a mental health pandemic in the country. Yeah. And we don't talk about it because the narrative is like, it's hard that's, for people to swallow. The saddest part. It's the saddest part is that the the mental health and phys, like obesity, mental health, physical health, how they tie together, everything else. So many more people are dying there and not receiving mm-hmm. support and the money that's been thrown into the. I get you can't let a global pandemic like COVID kind of run rampant. Yes, the money has to be invested there, sure. um, does. but there's still other areas that are affecting people's lives in a huge way that go unreported and unnoticed and. Where's the, you know, from a fear point of view, I, I stopped drinking 77 days ago. Um, you know, I was ahead of me. Yeah. First, first of July, I stopped drinking just because Erica and I decided we'll do dry July. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. Had no pull back to it. No, I, I did June. So I was a month ahead. Uh huh. Um, after mum passed away, I drank heavily and, and got into a pretty bad, pretty bad zone where it was like, I just, was turning to alcohol every night, finished work, mm. stressed. I was stressed. So I needed a drink. I needed not, I felt like one or, I, you know, it was just, and I went, no, nah, I got to snap that. So I read a book, um, the alcohol experiment by Annie Lane. Um, it's 30 days, 30 chapters. And they're just small. Yeah. And in that 30 days, 
it's actually quite interesting, right? The first 10 days, it's quite soft. It's just kind of telling you some interesting facts about, you know, have you thought about why you drink? Did you see your dad come home from work and crack a beer, you know, when you're a little kid? Every or night. Didn't, did, yeah, you know, and that my dad, you know, he just, a, he's a routine and habit guy. He's still like, he's retired. My dad still does that. He'll wake up at 5.30 in the morning because that's what time he used to have to get up for work. And he still does it every day in retirement. But his thing when we were young, he'd come home and crack the first beer and pretty much neck it, then crack the second beer and sit on the couch and, and relax. Uh-huh. He'd be, oh, get that first oh, beer. the 80s. That was the sign he could relax because he was sitting on the couch with a beer and the habit. Five, five o'clock news would come on and that's it. So as a child... That was the connection. So the first 10 days of the book's kind of soft and chilled. Like, right. what are your thoughts on alcohol? Why do you think marketing and the alcohol companies market alcohol the way they do? This, the, the 10 days in the middle, so day 10 to 20, starts to hit you a little bit harder with some more facts around how many cancers are caused by alcohol, um, suicides, rapes, murders. Like, it gets a little bit heavier. Mm-hmm. So, oh, okay, it's a bit uneasy. Then the last 10 days of the book, just smacks you like it it hits you with just so much heavy shit about alcohol and what it does to you and your body and your mind and everything else and it gets to the end and the end of the book's kind of like so it's up to you like you can go back to drinking book's not about not drinking (laughs) but you can make a choice now i love that that's so good yeah and and i went okay cool it's dry july now so i'll do another 30 days and get to 60 days and then I made the decision to start reading her other books called The Naked Mind. And it's an expanded version of the alcohol experiment, so to speak. What's her name Annie, again? Annie Lane. Annie Lane. Yeah. So the alcohol experiment is like $7 on Apple pod, or Apple books or whatever. And oh. just reading, I've just been reading it. It's, it's cheap. Awesome. So, and then The Naked Mind, whatever. But I'm kind of half to three quarters of the way through that book. And, you know, somebody said to me, you know, will you drink again? And I said, look, maybe, I, yeah, like, you know, I'm sitting here looking at a whiskey collection, a wine collection. We own a gin company called Death Gin, like, mm-hmm. you know, and so the idea of never, ever drinking again. And then you think about your wedding day, right? So we're meant to get wed- married in December mm-hmm. uh, on the 10th. And it's like, of course, like I'd love to, a glass of champagne, a beer with my mates, finish the night with a whiskey, like that social aspect of that. But even in saying that out loud, there's parts of me that are rewired now to go, do I need that though to have a good time? Mm-hmm. And the, like alcohol in our lives is you get married, you drink, you go to a funeral, you drink, you go to a first birthday party, there's beers in an esky, you go to a friend and catch up and have lunch. There's usually a beer or wine. Like alcohol is connected to so many things that we do, yeah. but it's more so the way it's been marketed to be that way since the dawn of time so that the alcohol companies are selling and the government collects excise tax. So on a bottle of gin, $27 from every bottle of gin is tax. It goes to excise for the government. Mm -hmm. So before we even make a dollar, like we're sending $27 to the government in excise tax on a bottle of gin. So it's like, is is that like based on the volume of alcohol or? Yeah. So that's uh, 42% alcohol um, per volume. And that equates itself based on excise tax rates. But um, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's a weird. So I think now the next thing, if I do have a beer, like I've been drinking heaps normal, so just alcohol free beers. Right. And for me, that's like get to a Friday night and the footy comes on. I've replaced that connection with I have to have a beer while I watch footy. I'm still okay to have a beer, but it's an alcohol-free beer. And I sit there sipping the beer going, hey, yeah, like 
I actually quite enjoy the taste of this. It's nice, but I don't need to have the effects of alcohol kind of spiking my mood and then getting depressed when the body tries to fight that off. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a, I think the next stage will be to stay sober. So if you have a beer or a glass of red wine, that's fine, but not drink to a point where you get yeah. drunk. So yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Like I, I again, and it, get, it speaks to a lot of the habitual type of the, the habitual nature of what we do, what we see, how we pick that up. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, like my dad was the same. He would he would work his ass off. God love him. Come home, have a couple of beers. Yep. And there was always a slab of beer in the back fridge. We had a beer fridge in the in the in the garage, right? There's a beer fridge. What was in it? Beer. Yeah, <laughs> that was it, you know, unless there was a party and then the overflow of food went in there, but there was a beer fridge. Yeah. Uh, I've never been a heavy drinker, but we got to the point recently up here, three, four, five months ago, where we'd, we'd open a bottle of wine, we'd have a glass each and we'd be like, yeah, it tasted good for the first half of the glass. And then the alcohol kicks in. I'm not enjoying this feeling. Mm. It took a while for both of us to go, hang on a moment. Why are we, why are we doing this? We're not enjoying it yeah. anymore. Yeah, I'm enjoying him, and like I'll, I would drink a Scotch whiskey. That's sort of my favourite thing. Yeah, I haven't and I haven't had one for a month and a half, and I and I haven't actually missed that, mm. which is really interesting because I don't drink it for the alcohol. I drink it for the, you know, the burn. What's yep. going on? What was going on when they made this one? Yep. How's it different from the Lowland to the Highland? Where's the peat? Is there any peat? You know, all that kind of stuff. Love it. It's like yeah. it's like this. I don't drink coffee. But, you know, I don't drink a shit instant coffee. Yeah. I go and find a local bean. I know the roaster. I know what it's for. I, I'm dialed in. I, I want to taste something. And it just happens to have a shit ton of caffeine in it, which makes me feel good. Yeah, correct. Right. I'm looking forward to it. I'll have to send you a couple of uh, new coffees that we're making at the moment too, from uh, which is going to be going to be a good, good fun exercise, something different to gin and something different from accounting. But I'll uh, get you some coffee sent up your way. Gin and coffee. Oh, yeah, wow. good combo. Yeah, well, why not? They're two good things. Well, Everyone we, gets a lot. We make a gin with coffee in it. So we, huh. so, so death gin coffee. Right. So when, when you finish making a gin, it usually comes out of the still like 70, 80%. And then you water it down to get to the desired alcohol volume. Okay. So with death gin coffee, instead of watering it down with water, we basically water it down with espresso coffee until it gets to a consistency and holy and shit where, won't know yeah. if you're up or down yeah it's it's yeah it's like that because we use um we're gonna look at mucking around but we've, we've been using um killer killer coffee and that's like the highest content caffeine kind of it's apparently it's starting to sound like vodka and red bull yeah yeah i don't condone it you know drink responsibly you know all that stuff but um yeah and it's even interesting now like you know being so disconnected from alcohol, but, you know, watching the sales come through like a lockdown, a pandemic is so good for um, sales in an alcohol company. I'll tell you that much. So pre I've seen pre, it here. Yeah. Pre COVID death gym was kind of ticking along. Um, some good friends of ours, they've got a um, web SEO company mm -hmm. and they got involved in the gin company. They built a website, did their thing. They became shareholders in the gin company and, the sales, so they've with the digital marketing the boys do, and the website they've built. You know, it's, as soon as there's a lockdown, they chuck on an ad on Facebook and Instagram, which will be like, you know, 
fuck COVID, we're thinking of you, Sydney, use this coupon code for a discount. And if you're in Sydney and see that pop up and it's like, oh, yeah, I've never tried that gin before. Yep, I'm in lockdown. Cool. I'll give that gin a go. All of a sudden, sales are just fucking booming. And yeah, love watching what they do in the, the digital marketing space. Um, it's, yeah, Ven have been, you know, re- really good for that company. And yeah, they're, they're the guys that are going to be doing the cough, coffee business, Cough & Co with us as well. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how how we can cut through the market, which is quite a coffee, you know, market is quite it's dense. It's saturated. Saturated. Yeah. yeah, saturated. So, you know, funny marketing, nice branding, and a good product. Obviously, the product is the key and it has to be. Yeah, we're working with a, an Italian family that's been importing coffee to Australia for 40 years. Um, so you know, we're, we've got that small business family kind of vibe and um, I think that's that's the strength we'll play to is that, you know, we're not some big global conglomerate. We're not owned by Coca-Cola. Uh, we're not, you know, hey, one day if Coca-Cola want to buy us out for millions, maybe we'll talk okay, about Okay, yeah, we'll, 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 look, we'll look at that. That's we, it. We will consider it. But, <laughs> That'd yeah, be nice. Well, for a coffee and gin tangent from talking about being alcohol-free. So it's the tangent show. Yeah, you answered the question before I asked it because it was going to be a beautiful segue. Well, Jason, you're um, not drinking and you own a gin company. Yeah. It's well, we last Tuesday we went and bottled like 250, 300 bottles. So we kind of do that oh. every couple of weeks. We we go there and you know, as you know, alcohol industry is an essential service during lockdown. So obviously of course it is. Uh, yeah. and toilet so paper making. Correct. So we're allowed to go to the distillery and do do what we've got to do and it was the first time we've ever bottled and labeled and sealed the gin and nobody's had a drink. And that, you know, we were driving away and I was talking to my business partner, Sarah, and I was like, that's the first time nobody's drank. And, and it was weird. It was like, everyone was like, yeah, like just, we didn't pour a gin and tonic and drink and, you know, hopefully don't see the death gin sales, you know, drop after this, but you know, it was, it was, it was weird for us. I think, I don't know whether I'm, I wouldn't want to call myself the instigator, but in even case of you know, having a bit of an identity crisis, Case and I saw ourselves as the party people, like the the friends that everyone could count on if you wanted a good time. If you wanted mm-hmm. to get, get drunk and get lit and go out and have fun, you generally, you'd want to make sure Case or I are invited because we could always be counted on to be the last people standing at the end of the night. Mm-hmm. And then you cut alcohol out of our lives and it's like, well, are we still those fun people that are going to be the last people at the party at the end of the night or are we going to prioritise sleep and getting up early the next morning and doing a half marathon or some exercise? And it changes, it changes the whole outlook on, on what's a priority in life and, you know, why you do what you do. And then you start to think about, and as I said before, like the connecting it back to when you're a kid, you know, seeing your parents drink is connected to then when you're 16, 17, 18, your relationship with alcohol, if you've grown up around adults drinking your whole life, you're more likely to become a heavy drinker yourself based on, you know, um, learnt behaviour and the unconscious mind, bringing, you know, taking all that in. Mm-hmm. I think back to um, between 18 and 21, 22, like how much I'd just go out and drink just because, you go out with your mates and drink to get plastered, not drink to have one or two and have a good time. You drank to get drunk. And then you'd wake up the next day, you generally vomit and feel like shit. And then a day or two later, you do it all again. Sounds and then crazy even, when you think back. Yeah. And now even like connecting 
why are you vomiting? You're vomiting because you've poisoned your body. Your head's thumping because you've poisoned yourself and your body is fighting the poison out of your system. Yep. And then now, then taking it right back to going, alcohol is poison, full stop. Like it's, it's just fucking a bit of a mind blown kind of moment when you start to put on. And then alcohol causes 70% of cancers or is, you know, pushes the level of likelihood of having bowel cancer, this cancer, that cancer, like um, throat, mouth, lung, whatever. Alcohol is connected to all of that. And you go, well, hang on, like, why do we let it happen? Like if, if cigarettes have been, you know, and cigarettes, you think back to in the 80s when everyone smoked. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, people kind of cottoned on to the damage it does. When does that happen? I, th- I feel like there's a shift in the alcohol industry now where people are becoming smarter about their alcohol intake and content, um, consumption. Mm-hmm. And now when you go into Coles and Woolies and all these other places, there is a big alcohol-free range starting to appear. And maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah I don't know if you're seeing it up there, but yeah, now yeah, we, we walked into our local Woolies and Casey went, Jace, look, and there was this, big shelf dedicated to um, kind of like the alcohol-free Aperol and gins and beers and wines and all mm-hmm. this alcohol-free stuff now. And it's like, you're not going to kill me. I feel like I'm going to get attacked. That's all right. I thought I was going to get my face swiped. Um, yeah. So the the growth in the alcohol-free range and even the guys who created Heaps Normal Beer, like their story was not because they wanted people to be alcohol free, but they wanted the alternative that if you didn't want to drink alcohol, you know, you could have a beer with your mates and be alcohol free, but you can still be sitting there having a beer with your mates and connect. Mm. And I felt like that was probably one of the things I was most scared of during this journey over the last couple of months of, because I'm not drinking, what's the reaction of my friends going to be when we sit down to catch up for a drink? Because most of the time you associate catching up as sitting down and having a drink. Um, you know, and, and even my dad, my dad's a big, big, have a beer with your old man. You got to have a beer with your old man to, to connect and be doing it. So Case and I would rock up with a six pack of alcohol free beer. And then by the time I stuck into a stubby hole to crack the lid off and sat there drinking a beer, there, you know, the initial animosity of, oh, what alcohol free? What do you mean? You're not? And then it's like, oh, oh, actually you're drinking a beer. So I can't really complain that you're not having a beer with me because you're not drinking alcohol. I even said that to my brother this, um, I spent this morning. I was just like, do you drink beer because you like the taste or do you drink beer because you want the alcohol? He said, oh, I drink beer because I like the taste. I said, cool, there's alcohol-free beer that tastes the same. He goes, okay, you're right. I drink beer because I like what, I like the alcohol. And it's like, yeah, interesting. So watch this space. I reckon, I reckon the alcohol-free space and the low-alcohol space, it, it's about to boom and take off. And for anyone who's in that industry who can pivot to create a range for that. Um, I reckon it's the time to go hard and go now. Um, there's a lot, there's a couple of early players in the market that are, mm-hmm. are smashing it and yeah, it'll be interesting, interesting space to watch. It will. I mean, I can remember it would have been 10 years ago in Melbourne and this is when I owned a gym. So we were investigating all these different little parts of the nutrition puzzle. Mm-hmm. And yet we all went really hard while we were in the gym all week. So we would have a social engagement of a Friday night, which was in Fitzroy, very close to Brunswick street. So it would often involve having a steak and a beer or, yeah. but not everyone had a drink and it wasn't, you didn't go out to have a drink, but you were out and it was around. But most of us were playing with how gluten and no gluten in our diet 
worked or didn't work for us? Was it, was, you know, was it worth pursuing this kind of a nutritional practice? So many of us had moved away from beer because there were no gluten-free beers on tap at that point. Yep. And we started drinking ciders. Yep. Right. And this was, this was when it was hard to get anything that wasn't really a sweet pardon the, the, the direction you marketed towards women cider. But then some of the scrumpies came out from the UK and they started putting those on. So the guys would get into it. Anyway, after a little while, someone opened up a cider house on Brunswick street that just went berserk. Yeah, wow. now, I don't know. Don't know how well it went over the longer period of time, hmm. but it's interesting when you see the zeitgeist change a little bit that, you know, people have moved away from one thing to another thing. There is an opportunity, just like you yep. say, with this, with alcohol free for me, you know, like if I want a beer, I'll have a beer. Um, and that'll be it. I mean, but I haven't missed it. Yep. So I don't think that I'd go out and buy a beer without alcohol because I'd probably rarely drink that anyway. I'd be as likely to drink a beer without alcohol as I would be to drink a beer with alcohol. Yep. You have to give it and a go. Give it heaps normal a go. Bloody oh, no, they, look, I, I've, I've had them before and I, don't, I haven't had that one before, but I've, I've had hmm. the beers before that have nothing. And it's like, yeah, okay. The yep. taste's nice. It's the same thing. But in the, at the end of the day, I drink pretty much water and coffee. You know, like if I'm, if it, now when we have friends over, if we have friends over for dinner and no one's drinking, I would just drink water. I don't, it's, there's no soft drink. There's, it's not fruit juice. It's just water. Easy peasy. Yeah. No brainer. So yeah, it's, it will be interesting. There's, I think there's definitely a market for it. Mm. And I don't know if I've got a, what's the word, uh, whether it's kind of a confirmation bias in so far as a lot of my close friends up here have stopped drinking even before I did. Mm. So I was listening to their uh, experience and their reasons for stopping. And a few of them realized that they had a little bit of a problem with alcohol and the pull towards alcohol. So they just went, that's, that's enough. But other people just sort of went, oh, not enjoying it. Kind of like me, not enjoying it. Oh, well, don't, if I'm not enjoying it, why am I doing it? Stop. Don't miss it. You know, and it, it just harks back to habit, you know, the last when the last lockdown hit here which is what two weeks ago now out of the blue bad luck if you've got a business at four o'clock everything shuts i was there must have been chefs throwing fry pans around i kid you not because yeah. you've done your mise en place in the morning and then you're done hairdressers with foils in people's hair just uh yeah, you do yeah, I, I, I was ready to go to jujitsu. Nope, you're not going to jujitsu. So yeah. really strange. But uh, what was my point? That um, I can't remember. I've lost my point. I'm off on a tangent in my brain. I don't know what I was saying. <laughs> we're, we're at a restaurant let when it, that lockdown let happened. Let it go. And you were at a restaurant. So we're, we're, I think the lockdown was announced probably four or five in the, or like mid-arvo, and it was starting at 8 p.m. So yeah, random number, 8 p.m. instead of we were five four or midnight or whatever. And our booking was 7 or 7.30 p.m. And it was our two friends, like two of mine and Casey's friends were moving to America. And it was our like right. last little get together to uh -huh. sail the best on your, you know, bon voyage. It had already been moved from the lockdown a few weeks earlier to this one. And we went, we, we, we're not doing it. We're going to go. Like for starters, we're not going to cancel our booking or let 
the restaurant because the restaurant's got the food ready. It's got the staff there ready to go. Like we want to go and support them. Luckily they could squeeze us in at 5.30 PM so we could get our booking done. And the head chef, um, Charlie from Atlas came out and stood at our table at 8 PM and he just looked broken. Like, like he didn't know whether to laugh or cry. And I think he actually mm. said that. And he's, he's looking out the front of the street going, almost like he was expecting cops to raid the joint at 8 p.m. to start issuing fines, which they did do at some restaurants that had complained about Dan Andrews. So convenient that the one that had um, said something about Dan had gone and, um, you know, got himself some $11,000 fines. And, you know, I, I sat there in that moment going, like, if you feel helpless, right? I mean, there's, th- there's only so much you can do to support the businesses that are, that are going through this. And, Standing there, like watching him, he's in his pride and joy. He's got a restaurant full of people. There would have been double bookings that would have come in after the, the five to eight. There would have been an eight to 10.30. So all of those got canned. All the food out the back would have basically been wasted, donated, you know, whatever they do with it. Um, yeah, it's depressing. It's sad. And it's, you know, it obviously can't keep going. And, yeah, we have definitely tangent. But I look at New South Wales yesterday with the 5 p.m. lockdown that they announced on Twitter, on social media. So they had the – I don't know if you saw that. They had the press conference in the morning. Right. There's 466 cases. It's bad. Mm-hmm. And we'll give you more updates later. Righty rah. That was, you know, whatever time in the morning. Mid-afternoon, Gladys tweets and then a bunch of other MPs let out tweets going – we're locking down the whole of New South Wales from 5 p.m. All the best on a tweet and a social media post. Not mm-hmm. even a press conference, not even an emergency press conference. Get on TV and do it in the media. Fucking social media, Twitter and, and Facebook and whatever to announce a statewide lockdown of whoever many people in New South Wales. Can you imagine being a, a restaurant, cafe, gym, hair, as you said, hairdresser? Can you imagine 4 p.m. you've just put foils in that are going to be in for an hour or so and you've got to boot that person out at 5 p.m. with half done hair? Like or risk fines of $5,000 or whatever it is? Um, it's, just, it's ridiculous. It's it's, we live in a world yeah, of strange. chaos and fucking madness. And yeah, I wish I had more of a, uh, I don't know, a, a positive, optimistic outlook on how that's going to play out over the next couple of months. But I just can't see. It's a strange one. It just really is. And I keep saying, I, I would hate to be having to try and work through this, like mm. let go of the politics for a moment. Yep. which clearly if in, in the position of these people, they can't. But even so, if you just try and think through it, like, what do you do? What, what, what is a logical step? I, I look, and I don't know the answer, but what I do know is a lot of the stuff that's happening doesn't add up, doesn't make any sense. And it's almost to be seen to be doing something. And I'm, this is not a complaint. It's just uh, me reflecting on what's happening. But we got locked down in Noosa because last time Brisbane got locked down, a whole bunch of people got in the car and just drove up the coast. Mm. Like they were like, okay, Brisbane's locked down at four o'clock. The Bruce highway going North gridlocked at midday, you know, like can't move. Cause everyone's like, well, got a holiday house up on the sunny coast. Away we go. Yeah. So we all got locked down all the way up the coast. Because people couldn't do the right thing and stay home. So then it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of like here how, Metro Melbourne is in lockdown, but Mornington Peninsula is counted as Metro Melbourne. But if you look at where Melbourne is to Geelong, 
where Melbourne is to Mornington Peninsula, mm-hmm. same distance. Geelong's free at the moment because it's classed yeah. as regional, even though it's yeah. the second biggest city in Victoria, it's mm-hmm. regional. But Rosebud, Mount Martha, or Mount Eliza, all, all these little um, bay, bayside towns down in Mornington Peninsula are locked down and businesses are fucking dying and suffering because they're classed as Metro Melbourne. Mm. When I think like more than, more than, I think it's like two thirds of Mornington Peninsula is fucking farmland for vineyards and farms and whatever, but yeah. they're Metro Melbourne. Like it's, it's madness. And you know, being on the the business, the business owner, and dealing with businesses, mm-hmm. one of the hardest things, or the hardest thing that are, you know, that's challenged us over the eighteen months is keeping up with the government grants, the federal grants, everything else. And every time there's a new announcement, a new lockdown, Victoria government, New South Wales government, federal, like all these grants are announced. But there's so many T's and C's for business owners to kind of peel through to figure out whether they're eligible yeah. for fucking $2,000 or $10,000. I can't work it out. Yeah. And so then, again, fortunately, like, um, we've hired 10 people in the last eight months. We're a team of 24 now. We've grown over the year. I get to pay my bills and work from home and whatever. And I'm very fortunate and very grateful for what we've been able to build and how many business owners we're able to help. So I, I just pre prephrase that because I don't want to sound like I'm complaining, but the stress levels that hit us when a lockdown happens as business owners and team members of a business of what we do, I lose sleep at night because I worried last night, uh, sorry, Friday night was meant to be the cutoff of one of the grants. I felt physically fucking sick because I couldn't, I didn't know if enough of our clients had got the message, they've signed up to the emails, they check our emails, mm-hmm. they've made calls or whatever. And I felt physically fucking sick because I'm like, what if one of my small business clients missed out on the grant because mm-hmm. I couldn't individually call every single one of them in time? Um, you know, and, and even though I'm not engaged to fill out the grants for everyone, I still feel personally responsible because it's what yeah. I do and it's how we work. And then they ended up extending it from midnight Friday to midnight next Friday. So this fucking relief that came over me and the team, and I can see my team carry that stress too because they give a shit and they care. But on top of that, I've got a team of a lot of them are mums and dads with kids at home that are doing the same thing as everyone else in the country, trying to homeschool and everything else, and then copying phone calls and emails of how do I get this money? It's bloody stressful and hard. And, and it's probably something that, you know, a stress that we've carried for, for so long. And we think we're doing an okay job. Like we're, you know, we're, there's a only so much we can do and our phones are always on and our emails are always there and we're there for people to reach out to us and we try and reach out to as many as we can. But man, that stress of thinking that people are missing out on grants and money because it's so convoluted and so hard to um, navigate around. Yeah, like even yeah. the, this, the new one that came out, the 70% down $10,000 grant, it's like, yeah, but if you got any of the other grants over the last couple of months, then you're not eligible for that grant. So it's like, fuck, we, we had all these people. I haven't are, even heard of that grant. Is that like, is that a state grant or is that a national? Oh, grant? yeah, it's a, a Victoria, new state Victoria one. Oh, ah, right. Unless it's, oh, I think it's Victoria. I'm trying to decipher Queensland stuff at the moment. It's just amazing. Yeah, it might be that one. Either way, it's if this, you're. This, 70, is case in, this is case in point. If like you're 70% you're, down. Wow. Yeah, it's, and it only came out, it came out Thursday or Friday. So I'm not, that's why it's not in the head just yet because I was stressing about the Victorian one that ended Friday, but it's, if you were 70% down in one of the two week periods of these lockdowns. So I'm assuming it'd be New South Wales and Vic or just Vic, 
you've got to match a two-week window here back to the same two-week window in 2019. And if you're 70% down that two weeks versus that two weeks, you qualify for 10 grand. Yeah, right? But it's like, how many businesses, like businesses organically change over a two-year period oh. anyway? Oh, yeah. Like, it's anyway, so they're, they're making do with what they can. But so now the other stipulation on this grant was that you have to have a registered BAS agent or tax agent or accountant sign the letter to say that they've checked. Right. So our inbox was flooded, not just from existing clients that were like, hey, can I get the 10 grand? Can you sign this letter? I'm then trying to figure out, okay, shit, hang on, check the T's and C's. How much do we charge? Because I've got to, you know, do the time and, you know, it's a transaction and whatnot. We want to help, but we want to make sure we don't go under doing a bunch of shit for free. And then in the meantime, we started getting like non-clients shopping over the phone for who could sign the letter and how much they were going to charge to sign a letter. So people we don't know from a bar of soap that were just like, the T's and C's on this new grant say, I have to get an accountant to sign it. Mm -hmm. So how much are you going to charge me to sign this letter? I've already filled it in for you. You just put your, put, put your signature yeah. on it. But, so, well, yeah, okay. I don't know and then you. you're like, okay. hang on, I've got to do my due diligence. So it's going to cost you a fortune because it's going to cost me yeah. a whole lot of time. You know, and then I, I started, we started shopping numbers internally. Oh, go, wow. well, how much does that cost? How many hours? And, and I set a number and one of my team were like, Jace, it's too cheap. Like, do you know how much time we're going to have to do to fill out all those forms and document the work papers and whatever? She's like, if you sell it for that, you're going to lose money. You, you're going to, you're going to cost yourself mm -hmm. money. I'm like, fuck, okay. Shit. Okay. I didn't think that far ahead. You know, luckily a team that are good thinkers and, <laughs> and pull me up before I give shit away for free, basically. Otherwise. Oh, I know, need them working for me. Yeah, well, yeah, get in touch. I'll put you in touch with the right team members that, that have got that, you know. I'm actually, talking to your local on Monday, mate. He and yeah. I are having a chat. Good. He's, he's Tabor's um, smashing it up there. He's, he's escaped yeah. Melbourne early on in Good the piece. Um, his wife was pregnant. They've got a beautiful baby daughter, Anave, now. Um, and he's, you know, it's, it's funny. You gotta, when we have our Zoom calls with everyone in Melbourne, he's smiling. He might of course have been he is. In surf. Is he, um, is he cool he, him? Yeah, he, yeah, he's cool him. And then, you know, yeah. he, he, fortunately for him, Anna is a, a really good sleeper at night. So he, you know, he'd start telling our clients with a newborn baby that his daughter was sleeping eight hours through the night. I'm going, no, no. People that they'll, they'll get upset. <laughs> you know, pe people who are sleep deprived hearing that your baby sleeps for eight hours, they will take that personally. Yeah, they will want to kill you. Yeah, we're having a good laugh and he's like he's like oh shit sorry i didn't realize i shouldn't tell people that like I didn't know there were rules yes there were rules. Man, he's, he's a beautiful beautiful kid taver and you know or kid you now he's grown grown out i feel like i call like our younger team kids because you know they came on board as it's okay. interns interns graduates and now five years on you know i've only just gotten used to people being born in the 90s and now we're into the noughties and they're into the 10s and well, one of our new team members we just hired was born in 97. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, how are you even old enough to work? And then I'm like, Do yeah. I'm like oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. And the numbers on that one, Jace. I've, I've, my, um, my best mate's married to a mid to late 20s woman. She's amazing. But I tried to have a conversation with her about music. And then I worked out that all of the stuff I was talking about that I was listening to was before she was born. Like it had actually been released before she was born. And I had this schism for a moment 
but I'm talking to a wonderful adult that wasn't born when I was in my like prime music listening, going out to gigs, this, you know, like when I formed what my music yeah. was going to be pretty much for the rest of my life. Like I talked to my dad and it's kind of, it, he was around when it was Sabbath and deep purple and Led Zeppelin. Zeppelin and masters apprentices. And so I'm talking about all these bands and these fucking amazing albums that I won't <laughs> shut up about. And she's like, I, I've actually never heard that album. And I was like, <laughs> why she's <laughs> like i was born in blah blah oh, hang on hang on wait wait a minute this isn't computing i was yes. at uni i was at uni what hang on yeah but you get older and you don't even notice you've got well, older and you don't even notice you've gotten older as the, the grays are starting to appear here Mate, now i went i went gray when i was 21 so this is what i'm saying it doesn't register to me because i've always <laughs> looked older than i am uh, yeah, it's, it's that, that was, I don't know, just, just seeing the, the date of birth of some of the team, just thinking, how are you old enough to, to do what we do? And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. Okay. The numbers stuck out. I've just gotten old without realizing how long yeah. I've been doing this now. Like, I still think I've only been doing this for a couple of years. And then you say we've been, we've been doing our, like our accounting and friendship for six or seven years. I'm going, well, hang on six or seven years. That means I was back at Siva with Brent Saleh and, you know, Andrew Sparks and, you know, the, the, those kind of things start flying into my head as you said, they're going, shit, that's a long time ago, but it doesn't yeah. feel like in a way it feels like it was like kind of yesterday. And at the same time that it was also ages ago. Yeah. 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 Now, even when we caught up for a beer somewhere out, not, not quite North, Northeast, East. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like that. I don't know. Yeah. Again, that seems like yesterday and not so long ago. And uh, sorry, not so long ago and ages ago. It's yeah. weird how memory does that. Yeah. I was yeah. T- talking to a mate who I hadn't connected with at any point, uh, any point within COVID. And when we locked down, I was like, fuck it. You know, like I've got nothing to do this week. I could just like put my head down, ass up, trying to generate business, but it's not going to make any difference. No one's booking. What's So take a deep breath, go for a walk. Picked up my phone and I went through the A's, through the B's, got to the C's and I went, ah, all right. Going to talk to that guy. Bing. And he, Stenecki, how the fuck are you? How long yeah. has it been? And we, we were, hadn't spoken since before the pandemic. And then we worked out that we'd met in like 2000. 14, 13, like, and we're like, we've known each other that long. What's, you know, like, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, shit. Okay. So it's like what Erica says to me. Uh, we, we've been here almost six years on, and I'm like, six years in Noosa. What? Yeah. Yeah. We moved in 2015. We moved up here. Wow. Okay. So even that's surprising to me. That's crazy. So, you know, we might be in the eight years, you and me, right? Like just when you go, because I sold the gym in 2013. Wow. And so I would have met you just after having sold the gym. So sometime between 13 and 15. Yeah. Wow. There you go. Far out. But you just, it just disappears. Yeah. Yeah. But so, so yeah, it's yeah. Mind blown a little bit. That's, that's crazy. And then you add the sort of the pandemic, we get locked down, we get a little bit disconnected, we reconnect in different ways. And you're like, how long has that been? Yeah. Well, I think I've, I've, 
I have like a some annual engagements where I'll speak to people once a year to sort out their tax and do this and that and check in that the financial planners have got their life insurance and everything sorted. And, you know, so when you have the annual check-ins, that's when you realize how fast time goes where, mm-hmm. you know, I'll talk to someone, jump on the phone, go, hey, I've been, can you believe it's been a year? And it's like, nah, man, it feels like we're on the phone the other week sorting out last year's tax and a year's mm-hmm. gone by. But a year ago when we were doing these calls, it was, this, you know, what are we, three or four months into the COVID pandemic? And that was where we could still go, oh, geez, did you get a, what was your last holiday? Did you sneak in a holiday? Yeah, I did this. And, oh, how's little Johnny? Yeah, Johnny started playing soccer and he's in prep now and, you know, whatever. And you get a bit of the more stuff to talk about and people are exci- still, still generally a bit more buzzing and excited about life. And from last year's conversations in July last year to this July, August, mm-hmm. nothing. And people are describing it as a gap year. Like it's like a, a, a year lost in their lives where nothing really happened because you couldn't do anything or, or, you know, you were just at home or you were homeschooling or you're locked down or you didn't travel. But to, to hear a year of our lives gone and describe it as a gap year, I was like, that's an interesting take on it that, people don't have like they're, they're not connected to it enough of what happens in their day-to-day life to to feel like there was something worthwhile over the last year it was a gap year mm. i was like no oh, it's a yeah interesting way to describe it the experience is just so yeah it just it rubs people different ways big time mm. and, and it's amazing what i see just with i get a lot of people call up and they're like mate, I really need help. But they're just so stuck that when you say, okay, this is, this is what's available. And they're like, oh, let me, I'll think about it. You know, the old, I'll think about it. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't sell anything, right? Like this is, if, if you're calling for therapy, I'm not going to sell you into therapy. It's not the way it works. If you're not ready, it's not going to work. I know the language patterns. I can sell you into it, but I'm, I refuse to mm. because it's not going to work for you. And if anything, it might put you off going to see someone later when you really want it. That's a disservice. That's not why I'm here. You know, I make money out of service. I don't make money because I'm Tony Robbins and I'm good at selling. Yeah. You got to, you got to be able to add value to someone's life to do the value exchange. Um, you know, there's people that we should, we don't work with because we can't add value to what they want to achieve and what they want to do. And there's other people we work really well with where I know there's actually more services I need to start selling them when we're structured the way we need Mm. to, not because I want to make more money off them, but because I know these extra services are going to make them have a better life or a better business and they need to learn it, know it, implement it. Uh And I look forward to That's the stuff that we're working on now that I look forward to is get the structure right get the position descriptions, get the org flow organization flowing how it needs to flow. And when that's all back to set up and where it needs to be, it's cool. Where's the capacity? How much can I fill up the team to do these extra things that I want to sell to make other businesses have better lives? Mm-hmm. Like the whole purpose now behind future advisor in the name future is to help people have a better future. Sure. And that, that's not even it started off as financial future because we do accounting and finance and whatever, but now it's like internally, we start to take it back and turn away from, but what if the business owner just needs more time with their family? Mm. That's not necessarily about making their financial future better, but it makes their future better. They're happier Mm -hmm. people. They're spending time with their family. Yep. So 
the more time and capacity we create as a firm, you know, or systemizing and automating the tax returns and the financial statements and the basses and the kind of crap that just needs to be done, which is compliance, the flow onto that becomes the advisory piece that so many accounting firms are working towards now to become advisors. And there's compliance and tax advisory, but then there's just advisory advice, right? Like being able to talk to someone and say, where do you want to be in five years? What are you doing? Like, what are you doing day to day and to help you get to where you want to be? Mm -hmm. And some people go, I've got no idea. I've never worked it out. I don't have a business plan or a life plan. I'm just living the day to day. And it's like, well, how do you think you'd feel if you knew where you're headed? If you knew what that future plan looked like, it doesn't have to be set in stone, but it can be an idea of where we're going together and how we can work together to help you get there. And all of a sudden, the purpose that I can see our team starting to realise the purpose behind more of what we do is not to give someone a tax bill or a tax refund. That's a byproduct of some of the stuff that we do. But the other part is making these business owners feel this sense of satisfaction and, and mm-hmm. you know, you know, they want to feel happy and they want to feel good and they want to feel an achievement and be working towards this, this bigger thing in the future, which is, again, I talked before about that carrot. We can actually create that carrot in a, in a really nice, tangible way to go, well, your business does this now. What You've talked about what if it did this down the track in five years, what would that do for your life? Would you, how do you think you'd feel? Business owner says how they'd feel. Cool. Let's reverse engineer that to figure out how we get there together. That's that's the fun advisory strategy stuff that, you know, I'm looking forward to doing more of that. And we do a bit of it now, like virtual CFO kind of packages where we'll work with a select number of business owners on a bigger scale and we'll, you know, meet monthly, run their numbers monthly, do accountability, budgets versus actual long-term and short-term goals, KPIs, the whole works. And that stuff starts to get really you know, really strategic and really fun and really detailed where, you know, having a podcast called The Numbers Game, it's clear that we like numbers and we like data, right? And then it's taking the numbers and the data and telling a story with it. So it's what's that story telling us when I look at your numbers today, how many leads did you need to turn that into sales to turn that into profit? Okay, cool. What if we tripled your leads? What would that do to your business? oh, that wouldn't work because I wouldn't be able to onboard that many clients. All right, how do we fix that onboarding problem? What mm-hmm. are you going to do? And, you know, that that kind of, but using data and numbers as accountants means that we're driving conversations from that way. Whereas, you know, business coaches and other mentors might talk more holistically from a psychology level of what's yep. holding your business owner back. Um, we, I'm sure I still bring elements of that into due to my experience and, you know, training that I've gone through. But I think accountants and accounting firms are in a position where you can drive conversation from the numbers, but still need to understand at a deeper level what a business owner actually wants in their life. Are they pursuing money or are they pursuing time? I just had a chat, I just had a chat recently with someone who was talking about work-life balance kind of rolls into what you're talking about, right? He's like, there's just life, work's a part of life. You can't balance the two. And it's like when you go, okay, I've got that. And then you realize that, the importance of numbers for most people isn't the numbers. It's what they tell them about their life or their mm-hmm. business and how that affects the story they tell themselves and the story they tell the world. Cause that's all belief and value structure, right? hundred percent. Yeah. It's uh, interesting yeah. that you've started talking about this. And I know we talked about it a little while back when you were t- moving into advisory and 
not necessarily the coaching space, but sort of you were talking about accountability with businesses and things like that, which is what I do and have done for what, I don't know, 20 years with health, fitness and wellness, right? Yep. But that's the missing part for most. Yeah. For most things. And that's sort of what I'm working towards in the little pivot that I'm going through with my business and my service and my practice is I'm talking about wellness now rather than fitness because fitness is a small part of it. And I started to use the term coach again because mm-hmm. I'm not going to do the work for you. you, you and, and the word's not important, right? Like people hear the word accountant and they have a particular mm-hmm. thought process related to accountant. Yep. Big time. It's really nice about future advisory, right? You're like, what the hell does that mean? Mm. What's advisory? Oh, okay. How, how, how does that fit into what I need? Yeah. Uh, same with like, if I say I'm a wellness coach, mm. which is what I'm toying around with now, this idea of what the fuck does a wellness coach do? Well, what do you think a wellness coach does? And there's a story there. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's kind of nice, like, because I'm even thinking, well, I've been trying to think for a while, there's this bigger context of wellness. It's not just one-on-one. There's organizational wellness too. There's community wellness. Now, it doesn't have to be me who provides the service because there's heaps of people who can and will and are doing it. But if we can all, if we just start nudging people towards this idea of, you, know, you don't have to be feeling flat right now. Like the, for example, right now, the pandemic sucks. Some people are locked at home, don't know what the fuck to do with themselves. Yeah. Okay. What can we do? That's my whole thing. Like, what can we do right now? Yeah. Can think- you connect with someone? Can you can you have a look at your strategic plan in your business? Can you just maybe sit and meditate because you haven't done that for 10 years? Yeah. Can you go yeah. for a walk? It's- can you talk to your son? Can you give your missus a cuddle? You know, it's funny you say that. This this week I was having a down week. Like it was, it was, I was wondering, and again, I'm pr- pretty bubbly optimistic guy and regard the stuff, but but we all have down weeks. I had a down week. I had a down week. Um, Case and I were resending wedding invites and the wedding invite that went to my mum and dad just went to my dad. And he had a meltdown. I had a meltdown. It fucking sucked. Of course. And I was flat. And then Shelly, um, who's a business partner of Future Advisory, she's bloody brilliant. She's got this aura about herself. But she's a yogi. Um, she's trained in Bikram Yoga. She's an instructor, business owner of Future Advisory, um, lives and works over from the Perth office. And she sent through a video and it was kind of like a video that I needed to see at that point in time. Like, you know, yeah. sometimes the universe does things. And cool. I don't even know if I told her that I was flat or down that week or whether she sensed it. And it was this basically a 15 minute video that talked about, uh, I, I can't put it into the right words, but it was like, if you think you're going to be miserable and you think, oh, I'm, I'm going to be, sh- I'm going to feel shit at this point in time because of that we are powerful enough in our brains and minds that we will make ourselves feel miserable regardless because we've already thought we're going to be. So the video talks about telling yourself you're going to be happy. Like be happy. I'm going to be happy today. I'm going to smile. I'm going to smile. I'm going to find joy in what I've got and my day to day. And, you know, the cat that just knocks something over that, you know, I'm going to laugh at that and be happy. And the sun and the blue sky, it's going to make me happy. I'm going to be happy today. Yeah. Or tomorrow. And then tomorrow when I wake up, because I've channeled and thought about it and, you know, I've made that part of my unconscious being that I'm going to be happy tomorrow, I'm more likely to be happy tomorrow than be sad and miserable. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it was kind of 15 video about video about that. And then Shelly shared with the team that she'd also 
not been in the greatest mindset, but in the last week or two, she's been spending the first 15 minutes of every day before getting into everything, doing a 15 minute meditation, breath work, breathing, clearing her mind. And, you know, to share that with the team. And that reminded me, like I haven't meditated for ages, but I, you know, I've downloaded the headspace app a long time ago and went through the Andy's headspace kind of trainings and doing all that. And I reckon connecting back to that was one at the time when I was able to most be calm and process things properly and, you know, look at a situation and not have a meltdown and freak out and go, okay, cool. How do I want to handle the situation? What am I going to do next? And be more calm and controlled because of that meditation. And I haven't done it for so long that, yeah, glad you said that. Like, I think meditation is something that goes very underutilized across every walk of life. And again, people just get stuck on the word meditation, right? Yeah. And they won't do it because it has a spiritual context. Yeah. I I think originally it was like, it has a spiritual context. Therefore I can't do it because I'm not spiritual, but you know, and some people are like, they're religious, therefore they can't do it. Another religious practice. So all these, all these barriers start flying up. But I think now what it is more about is there are so many people offering so many different ways to meditate that it becomes confusing. And you know what it's like. You speak to this in business all the time. I'm sure you talk to people about this. If you if your offer is confusing, no one's buying it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I I spent a long time trying to work out what it was in and around meditation that prevented people from meditating. And it was because there were so many different ideas about what you should be doing when you meditate that the whole way through it, you wonder and criticize and judge yourself about how you are meditating, which completely flies in the face of the practice, right? yeah so i don't if if i'm in clinic with someone and this is nine out of ten or more people that come in if that's possible 95 out of 100 maybe they come in and they're just thinking too much right Mm -hmm. whatever whatever the problem is the first thing is let's just slow everything down so you can have some space to work it out because you already know the answer i'm Mm -hmm. just going to facilitate you finding that answer for yourself yeah so I don't mention meditation and I very rarely mention mindfulness as well, but it is, yeah. and that's the thing. And I, I mean, hypnosis comes with it because most people come to see me because they want to do hypnosis, even though they don't know what that is, which is lovely. I don't know, but I'm curious. I want to find it out. All right. You know, like you're on a journey. Let's work that one out. What I give to people is a really simple practice, which is sit for 10 minutes and do nothing. Oh, that scares the fuck out of me already. Right. Okay. And so if we were in a ses- if we were in a session right now, we could talk through what it actually means, right? But the, the point is you can't do nothing wrong. Hmm. So you can't judge yourself. I just yeah. want you to sit. Can't do 10 minutes, do five. Can't sit still, walk, but don't walk with earbuds in listening to a podcast or music or looking at you know in- your Instagram feed. It's let your brain do its thing because it's going to do it anyway. Give it some space. Yeah. And I can guarantee anyone who's listening to this, any, any of your staff, if they try it, right. Start the morning with doing 10 minutes of nothing. Yeah. Like literally just get up, do your thing, go sit outside for 10 minutes. Yeah. I think that's, and as you say that, right. I think about the stuff that, that people aren't doing for that 10 minutes or the reason people don't do that 10 minutes is 
the interconnected world that we live in is they wake up in the morning, they pick their phone up and Instagram loads up and they're scrolling already and it's mm-hmm. buzzing. Or you're like, I'm going to check, I'm going to check the COVID numbers today. Oh my fucking God. And like you, you instantly fucking wired. Or as you said, you're going down the street, but you got headphones in and you know, you're catching up on the latest podcast or whatever, rather than 10 minutes of clearing your mind and nothing. It's, it's interesting one. Like I, I think, 10 minutes I did a session on sleep about how getting out in the morning and getting the sun on your skin mm-hmm. or in the evening taking your shoes and socks off and standing on the grass and feeling mm-hmm. the like those kind of things and there are two times where you could have five or ten minutes of nothing right nothing standing think- on the grass in the sun for five to ten minutes and I think that it's super important that people do start to learn this. And, you know, if, if a few people can try to do this 10 minutes of nothing or download Headspace and try a meditation or, or like, I, I don't necessarily call it even, it is meditation, right? But going for a walk with the dog and just mm-hmm. free to let your brain do its thing, right? Like that time where you're not, so my thing of saying that I, I, I get scared at the thought of doing 10 minutes of just sitting doing nothing because I'm my brain's kind of wired to the missed opportunity of the five emails that I could have checked, read, shot off, fired back to, or... Yeah, that's um, exactly it. You know, this and that that I could have done. Like, oh my God, what am I missing out on? Because I, I spent 10 minutes doing nothing and feel guilty about doing nothing because it wasn't productive time. But instead of rewiring the thought process to be, if I can spend 10 minutes clearing my brain and not doing nothing, but but doing a meditation or doing a clearing cleanse of what's going in my brain, for the following eight hours at work, I'm going to be a much more productive beast yeah. machine. So it's changing the mindset from I'm doing 10 minutes of nothing, fuck, I feel guilty, I should have done some emails or made a coffee or, you know, whatever. It's just rewiring that thought process to go that this this 10 minutes is going to make me a better person. It's going to make me a better dad, a better brother, a better partner, I've whatever. I've never seen it fail. I've never seen it fail. How could it? Well, it, exactly right. It, it, you're not, and the beauty of it is you're not adding anything to the pile of stuff that people are doing. Mm. Right. I, I am asking you to stop doing stuff for 10 minutes. If, if anything... To reverse that, I think it helps you to figure out what is in the pile that is the most important to you that day or at that time, right? And without, you know, the shower, right? The shower is one space and, and taking it to a weird place. My, that's my like five or 10 minutes sometimes where I am free and, and my brain, mm-hmm. like, you know, concentrating on washing the hair and that's it. It's just, just washing the hair for a couple of minutes or scrub the body, skin, brain free. And sometimes things will pop in and in a good way that'll be cool. I'm going to do that. That's the next yes. thing I need to do. But it's that's not- it, in, That's it. Yeah, it's not in a stressful, like, fuck, I didn't do that. Oh my God. No, it's not because you're doing something relaxing. It's a, ah, oh, yeah. Self-care. That solves that problem. Or, oh, that's the answer I've been looking for. You know, but here's the one, right? How many times have you been like desperately trying to find the answer to something and you haven't got it and you've, taking your five minute loo break and <laughs> you, you go, Oh, but and you can't, can't get yeah. off fast enough. There's toilet paper dragging out the back of your shorts as you're getting back to the yeah. desk. Right. That's only if you didn't take your fucking phone to the toilet and scroll Facebook while you're no, on. Of your course. Break. Yeah. yeah well, so, yeah. Because cause then you, but then you're not free. And this is correct. the people that say to me, okay, I can't do 10 minutes. I'm like, we'll do 20. 
and then their mind just kind of shuts down for a while. But, but the thing is, once you do it and you have the aha moment that you worked out your problem or you worked out the solution to the thing because you stopped thinking, mm. like actively thinking, right? And you just let it happen. So there's like this, and there's a shit ton of what's going on here mentally, emotionally, psychologically, where you're, you're practicing acceptance, you're practicing letting go, you're, you're practicing interrupting habit. There's mm. all this shit going on, but all I'm saying is do nothing. Yeah. And you yeah. can you can convince yourself to do nothing. Have you yeah, have you seen um Emma Murray? She was the mindfulness coach of Richmond Football Club. Nope. I'm writing this so, name down too. I'm gonna Emma Murray, she she is an incredible human. She presented at one of the zero conferences. Okay. Yeah. Fucking bawled my eyes out, right? So she she shares this story that she was hired as the Richmond's uh, performance coach or mindfulness coach. Okay. But, but I think it was like the day that she started or the day before she started, her son jumped off the pier at Black Rock and broke his spine. Fuck. Yeah. Devastating, right? And mm-hmm. she's sharing this story and fuck everyone in the crowd. Like emotions were fucked. And she actually had a full house. And then people joined another session where you had headsets. But people in the other session had turned their headsets to be able to listen to the session that was packed out to, to hear her story. And through her mindfulness and coaching and lessons, she was dealing with like this traumatic event that had happened to her son, rocked up to the Richmond Football Club to be their mindfulness and performance coach. But then they knew that what she was going through and dealing with and, and the, she unpacks this story as to how she was able to deal with this event with her son and what had happened and then also become the mindfulness coach at Richmond Football Club and help transform Richmond. So the year that she started was the year they were able to break through and win, win their first premiership in however long. The whole Richmond Football Club is so connected to her and her son's story that for the Richmond Football Club, a lot of the players, they were able to see and learn from her as to mindfulness, switching off, taking breath work and getting out of their own heads and being able to see the fun in their day-to-day and having fun again. And I think if you look back and watch that Richmond Football Club story and what she did, you can see the players have fun. Like they're laughing, they're smiling, they're having fun. They're not stressed and worried about the crowd or somebody stuffs up. They get back up, they pat each other on the back, they fist pump and, you know, and run on. But Emma Murray, the reason I got onto that from a habits and mindfulness point of view, she released a... The Instagram page is something like high performance mindfulness or something, right? And it was 21 days, 21 habits. So every day for 21 days, she just did like a two or three minute video on Instagram and it would teach you the 21 things that she would teach the Richmond Football Club or uh, McLaughlin um, V8 supercar driver, all these tools that they used to make them high performance and more mindful. You know, and I, I don't do all of the 21 and I'm d- only doing a couple of them at the moment. I want to go back through it. But one of them was, I don't have my phone in my bedroom anymore. Like it's it's in the living room, it plugged in on charge out there. I set the alarm in the morning. And one of the things is when your alarm goes off in the morning, you get up and you go and get your phone. Now you're up, right? Mm-hmm. Nice no snooze button. I haven't been able to reach over and click snooze on the bedside table because it's not there, right? Um, other stuff, it's like, you know, writing some stuff down in the morning or doing your 10 minutes or um there's heaps, right? It's 21, but phenomenal, yeah. right? So to go through these things and she actually shared them at the start of the 
COVID global pandemic kind of thing. I think it was her way of giving people some tools to be able to get through what the world was going through at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's one I'd recommend people check out and look at. Yeah, um, for sure. You know, her story and, and that, that Instagram page, just little, little tips and tricks of how to, how to do these things. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I've got two great names to look up now. And I think my bladder is going to end our conversation as it normally does at about the 90 minute <laughs> mark. That's all right. Well, it's good. It's, I don't need an alarm clock. I don't need it so, to say, hey, we've been talking for <laughs> many minutes. My bladder just goes, off you go, uh, champion. It's, nah, going to get, it's going to get ugly otherwise. Uh, well, we don't want that, mate. Not at all. All right. So when the uh, borders free up and uh, situation returns to moderate normality, do get your ass to Noosa. Come see you. Come see Tava. We're on. Yeah. And we'll uh, meet up without beer. Or with, if you want a beer. Oh, Everyone's entitled so, to have a beer. <laughs> I reckon we could do it without and we'd be just very happy. Go for a surf. Well. Yes, there's a bit of that. It's actually been really nice in the morning up here, just really calm. Beautiful. Had a couple of weeks of it choppy as fuck, and now it's nice and calm. So, like, okay, we're getting into it. It's yeah. great. That'd be good, man. It'd be, yeah, Case and I are desperate to head up north. We've got plenty of people to kind of from Gold Coast and Brizzy and Sunny Coast, and then right up to cousins and family in Port Douglas. So, All way, keen, baby. keen to it. get up north and spread the love. All right, legend. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Cheers, brother. See you, buddy.